This is Andy Isabella, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Roster Watch Nation. It's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the garbage grab. More particularly, this is the fantasy fallout going into week four of the NFL season, brought to you by my bookie. So the season is quickly evolving or devolving, depending on how you look at it, into a trash man's paradise as starter after starter succumbs to injury. We're going to dumpster dive and whatever we need to do. To stay afloat, though, right, guys? Here's the fallout going into week four of the NFL season. Starting off with a Thursday night game, Dolphins and Jaguars. Dolphins won this one 31-13. Josh Howard managed the goal line score, but it was Miles Gaskin, was the, who is the only Dolphins running back worth owning in 12-team leagues, and he's still unowned in more than half of the leagues out there. He had 27 touches on Thursday, to just three for Howard and three for Matt Breida. It's obvious to me that Gaskin is the guy that they are running with that offers them the biggest chance to break open plays. And so you need to go get Gaskin if he's available. The Jaguars passing game was anemic without DJ Shark around with no receiver gaining more than 43 yards on the night and no receiving touchdowns. Fortunately, Shark is scheduled to return this week. Keenan Cole and LaVisca Chenault are there, in fact, worth holding on to because of that reason. Well, not maybe because of that, but it definitely helps, especially for Cole. Chris Thompson has only 10 catches for 61 yards through three games. James Robinson has even more receptions than him in this one. So, in my opinion, Thompson can be dropped in almost almost every format that you might have him in. On to the next game, Bengals at Eagles. This one ended up in a tie. Donovan McNabb would have never even guessed that. The Bengals went a different round in week three, targeting Tyler Boyd and rookie T. Higgins over A.J. Green. Boyd and Higgins had 13 and 9 targets, respectively. Green had just 6. Maybe it was a game-specific move, but it could be just as likely that the team is looking to the future at the wide receiver position. Boyd is probably owned in your league at this point, but Higgins is available in almost 95% of leagues and scored twice on Sunday. Make sure you go get him if you have a deep enough bench. On the other side of the ball, the Ingles managed to stay in this one even with only one receiver gaining over 19 yards. And that was Greg Ward, who had eight receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. This was in part due to Deshaun Jackson and Dallas Goddard going down to injuries. If neither of these guys goes this week and all Sean Jeffrey doesn't return, Ward actually 
makes for an intriguing flex consideration, even against the 49ers. And it was actually John Hightower who was on the field the most for the Eagles wide receivers with 50 snaps. So there's a chance he develops some fantasy worth over the next couple of weeks. Uh, He's just someone to watch for now, though. On to the next game, Raiders at the Patriots. Raiders lost this one 20 to 36 in New England. The Patriots take away your best weapon. And for that, and for the Raiders, more specifically, that was Darren Waller leaving Hunter Renfro to soak up targets. He had nine of them, six receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown with Henry Ruggs sidelined. Renfro might actually be worth a look in PPRs in week four as the Raiders face the Red Hot Bills, and they're going to need to throw the ball to stay in the game. On the other side of the field, J.J. Taylor led the Patriots in carries with 11. Sonny Michelle, though, led in rushing yards with 117. Pretty respectable. But Rex Burkhead led in fantasy points, scoring three times on the day. With no receiver having more than three catches at 34 yards on the day, the Patriots looked like the 2019 Ravens getting most of their yards on the ground and through their running backs. I doubt this script sticks for week four as the Patriots play the Chiefs this week. But I would say for my money, Burkhead looks like the best bet for fantasy if James White is still out mourning the loss of his father in a tragic car wreck last week. On to the next game, Washington at the Browns. Washington lost this one 20-34. Rookie receiver Isaiah Wright was third in targets with seven behind Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin on Sunday, and he played ahead of Stephen Sims. This offense is not prolific enough to support Wright in fantasy right now, though. So he's just someone to watch. Dontrell Inman scored twice on Sunday as the receiver opposite McLaurin in most two wide sets. Inman has averaged five targets a game thus far, but they've been mostly low-yield targets until today. Well, until Sunday, that is. He's only an option in deep PPR formats. The Browns realize Baker Mayfield stinks as I have a long time ago. So it's going to be the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt show all day if the Browns have a close game or are playing with a lead like they did on Sunday. You're going to be able to start both of those guys on most weeks. And I was right. Undervalue Odell Beckham. Going into fantasy drafts this season, I didn't really like him. Alex thought, and I I don't know, I guess maybe still thinks that Baker Mayfield can get him the ball on a consistent basis, but I'm not buying it. I think he's probably going to turn out to be one of the worst values in fantasy come season's end. On to the next game, Texans at Steelers. Texans lost this one 21-28. At least Will Fuller showed up for this one, though, in the box score. So we can guess, we can surmise that he's healthy-ish. Only 54 yards, but he did score a touchdown, and he has a wonderfully soft schedule for the next several games. So it's not a bad time to trade for him, if you can. Randall Cobb came alive with four catches for 94 yards and a touchdown against the Steelers with 59 yards in the previous week. Cobb is actually not a terrible PPR flex in deeper formats. 
The schedule eases up for all Texans receivers now, so he may have some useful performances ahead. And on to the next game. Well, not on to the next game. On to the other side of the field, Deontay Johnson. Oh, let me forget. Left the game with a possible concussion to be replaced by James Washington, who ended up leading the team in targets with seven. If Johnson isn't available this week, Washington would be a high upside flex against the Titans. Eric Ebron's targets have gone up every every game thus far, with him ending up with seven targets for five catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown on Sunday. If Deontay Johnson misses this week, expect another solid outing from Ebron. Now on to the next game, Rams at Bills. Rams, oh, lost this one in a heartbreaker, 32-35, to on a penalty that probably shouldn't have happened. Malcolm Brown returned this week in a backup role to Daryl Henderson, who outtouched him 21 to seven Henderson looked spry and was a better fit in a high scoring game with the bills. Brown should get more involved against the giants this week, but Henderson is still the Rams running back to roll with for now on the other side of the ball. John Brown injured his calf in the second half of the game and did not return rookie Gabriel Davis filled in for him and racked up 81 yards on four catches. I've touched on Davis before, in the fallout, and it looks like he could have a major role against the Raiders this week if Brown sits, as could Cole Beasley, who led the Bills in receiving with 100 yards on Sunday. As far as that tight end situation, I wouldn't chase Tyler Croft's big two-touchdown day as he was playing relief of a concussed Dawson Knox. You know, it's going to be hard to tell which one of those guys gets the red zone looks, and it'll probably be Knox if he's playing, all truth be told. On to the next game, Titans at Vikings. Titans won this one 31 to 30. Adam Humphreys is averaging seven targets over the first three games, but he doesn't seem to do much with them, averaging 44 yards over that same time. He's only worth considering in PPR formats, and his ceiling isn't high there. Khalif Raymond balled out for 118 yards on three receptions on Sunday, which is a career high for his four yards in the league four years in the league, excuse me. He's nothing more than a daily league tourney wild card, though, even with A.J. Brown sitting out for the time being. On the other side of the ball, saying rookie Justin Jefferson had a coming out party would be an understatement after his seven reception, 175-yard, one-touchdown day. No one else for the Vikings had more than 29 yards receiving, and Kirk Cousins only completed 16 passes on the day. So that makes me a little worried that the offense won't be able to support two wide receivers right now, but it's a performance worth rostering Jefferson for. On to the next game, Bears at Falcons. Bears won this one 30-26, and 3-0 Bears, mind you. Tariq Cohen may have torn his – he actually did tear his ACL – on Sunday, ending his season. It's yet to be seen whether, whether Ryan Nall or Cordero Patterson steps into the passing back role, but I do think it's going to boost Anthony Miller's targets, as will the information in the next blurb. Nick Foles finally took his place as the rightful heir to the Bears quarterback thrown from the depressing Mitch Trubisky, and it sparked the offense to a win. I've been waiting for this move as it will hopefully jumpstart Anthony Miller's season. Indianapolis is probably the worst team to face this week, as they have allowed the fewest yards in the league 
two offenses up to now this season. But Miller needs to be added to rosters where he's been dropped. On the other side of the ball, Brian Hill had 10 touches to Todd Gurley's 15, and both players ended up with 80 yards and a touchdown on the day. With the Falcons going 0-3, it might not be a bad idea to get Hill more action, especially if Julio Jones cannot go this week. And Russell Gage went down to a concussion-related injury on Sunday, leaving Alameda Zacchaeus to be the second wide receiver behind Calvin Ridley. If neither Jones nor Gage can go this week, Zacchaeus would be a worthwhile flex flex against Green Bay. He needs to be added to deep benches. It's fall, folks. And at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here, or sports fall, rather. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. I mean, you already are by listening to Roster Watch. Use promo code ROSTER, that's R-O-S-T-E-R, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. And on to the next game, 49ers at Giants. 49ers won this one 36-9. Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson had an almost even timeshare in the 49ers' backfield on Sunday with both getting enough action to be assets in fantasy. Wilson, who scored twice, is a top waiver ad this week as he's available in over 75% of leagues right now. Rookie Brandon Ayuk led the receivers, led the 49ers in receiving 70 yards, adding 31 yards rushing and a score. Ayuk will be worth flexing this week, even with Nick Mullins under center, if George Kittle continues to sit. And maybe even if he doesn't. On the other side of the ball, the Giants offense is a mess without Saquon Barkley, and that was on blatant display on Sunday against the 49ers. Yes, the 49ers are a good defense, but only 17 yards between three NFL backs and not one touchdown for the offense on the day is pretty pathetic. Devontae Freeman was just signed to the team a few days ago, so he'll need to acclimate himself to the offense. But Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman have no excuse for that kind of performance. None of these guys are advised starts against the Rams this week. And then Darius Slayton and Golden Tate tied for team lead in targets with seven. Slayton is owned in most formats, but Tate is available in about 60% of leagues. With the way this team is playing, you can expect them to be in negative game scripts most weeks, so Tate could become a valuable PPR asset. His ceiling is pretty low, but his floor should stay serviceable. On to the next game, Jets at Colts. Jets lost this one 7-36. What did you expect? What are teams going to stop giving Adam Gaze head coaching jobs? Hmm? It's obvious his 1,000-yard stare isn't inspiring teams to succeed. Braxton Berrios, 
four receptions, 64 yards and a touchdown was the only decent weapon the Jets wielded on Sunday. And he's the only advised play against Denver on Thursday if Jamison Crowder does not return. LaMichael Pirine had nine touches to Frank Gore, 16 on Sunday. And though he didn't do much with him, only 23 yards, the Jets may be inclined to see what they have in the rookie moving forward as the team is going nowhere fast in its current direction. He's worth a deep lead slash for that reason. On the other side of the ball, when your team, well, when your team's defense is scoring pick sixes at will almost, your offense doesn't have to work that hard, as was the case for the Colts on Sunday. Jordan Wilkins had 10 touches to Jonathan Tyler's Taylor's 14 and Naheem Hines' 11. But this is mostly due to the significant lead the Colts were working with. I'm not running out to pick up Jordan Wilkins. Rookie receiver Michael Pittman left the game with an injured ankle in the second half of Sunday's game. He did not return. He didn't really need to, honestly. Should Pittman sit this week, Zach Pascal would be the second receiver option behind T.Y. Hilton. He wouldn't necessarily be the second receiving option, though. That could be the guy I'm about to talk about next, and that is tight end Mo Ailey-Cox, who played ahead of Jack Doyle on Sunday and had a second straight fantasy-worthy week, picking up 50 yards and a score. Mo Cox, Ailey Cox, needs to be added to benches and potentially played this week, especially if Pittman sits. On to the next game, Panthers at Chargers. Panthers won this one 21-16. Mike Davis is no Christian McCaffrey, but he did lead the Panthers in targets with eight and touches with 21 for 91 yards and a score. Even if he is only putting up two-thirds of the fantasy output that CMC did, He's well worth the investment. He's still unowned in about 20% of fantasy leagues. Is Robbie Anderson the number one receiver in Carolina? I think he might be. He and DJ Marr are one target apart after three games, and Anderson has outgained him in yardage and scoring so far this season. Anderson is still unowned in 20% of leagues. So there's a chance you might be able to go out and get him. Curtis Samuel had eight touches on the day, including four rushes. It's quite possible that he ekes out enough action to be useful in deep PPR formats while Christian McCaffrey is out. On the other side of the ball, Joshua Kelly suffered from a negative game script on Sunday, getting out-touched by Austin Eckler 23-10. With a rookie quarterback under center and Justin Herbert, Hebert Herbert, the Chargers could be playing catch-up more often than not. Hopefully, Terod Taylor can return to game form sooner than later for that reason. Mike Williams left the game with a hamstring injury, but he wasn't being targeted by Justin Herbert anyway. Herbert focused almost exclusively on Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler in the passing game. Even if Williams can play this week, he's nothing more than a low-floor flex with Herbert under center. On to the next game, the Cowboys at the Seahawks. Cowboys lost this one 31 to 38. Cedric Wilson came out of nowhere to put up a 107 yard, two touchdown game on Sunday as a Cowboys fourth receiving option. Fourth or fifth, if you consider Dalton Schultz in there. I like to say he's worth adding, but the Cowboys are unlikely to be in that kind of shootout again for some time with Cleveland, the Giants, Arizona, and Washington as their next four opponents. So, I mean, you could add him in a deeper format, but in 12-team leagues, I'm not rushing out to get Cedric Wilson. 
On the other side of the ball, Chris Carson owners can breathe a sigh of relief as Carson seems to have avoided a major injury after hurting his knee in Sunday's game. No torn ligaments for Carson, and he may be available as early as this week. If he does sit, Carlos Hyde would serve as the two-down back with Travis Homer taking over third downs. Hyde is worth a speculative ad in most formats as this week's matchup with Miami is a juicy one. And guys, one of the smartest things you can do is download the Fantasy Life app. It's a free app. We use them for their news alerts and community. Their news alerts are second to none, in my opinion. The Fantasy Life app sends breaking news alerts faster than anyone else. They monitor thousands of reporters so you don't have to and send important news as soon as it breaks. You never miss a relevant injury, trade, or other update. The Fantasy Life app also has in-depth reports and on-demand advice from a massive community like Rosterwatch. Download the Fantasy Life app for iOS or Android at FantasyLifeApp.com. On to the next game, the Lions at the Cardinals. Lions won this one, 26-23. Adrian Peterson was the workhorse for the Lions in this one with 22 carries to just three for carry-on Johnson, the next closest back. The Lions actually won, so maybe they'll stick with Peterson this time. He's available in about half of leagues right now, so there's a good chance you can scoop him up. Just don't expect much out of him against the Saints this week. And Kenny Galladay returned to action and suffered no setbacks that we could see. So we can go back to not starting any Lions receiver who isn't him or Marvin Jones. Actually, Jones doesn't even look like he's worth starting outside of the deepest leagues right now. On the other side of the ball, Andy Isabella scored twice on four targets on Sunday with Christian Kirk sitting with a groin injury. It was Keyshawn Johnson, though, who was second on the team and targets with seven. The Cardinals look to be focusing on the future in their receiving core, so both players are worth speculative ads right now. They have a run, they have a run of soft pass defenses for the next four weeks, so either of those guys could end up, you know, paying off in deeper formats as your flex. On to the next game. Buccaneers at Broncos. Buccaneers won this one 28 to 10 after. Well, just a week after taking a backseat to Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones was back in the driver's seat for the Bucs in this one, logging 15 touches to Fournette's nine. These two might be canceling each other out on a weekly basis as Fournette will be highly touchdown dependent and Jones won't see many goal line touches. It's a situation to avoid in fantasy right now. Chris Godwin injured his hamstring on Sunday, bringing Scotty Miller back to fantasy relevance. Miller had three receptions for 83 yards. Miller is a solid PPR option this week against the Chargers if Godwin sits. On the other side of the ball, the Broncos look horrendous right now, and things could get much worse if they turn from Jeff Driscoll, who was benched in the fourth quarter for Brett Rippon, Rippon, who is former Redskins quarterback Mark Rippon's nephew, was an undrafted free agent from Boise State and has drawn comparisons to Andy Dalton but has very little NFL experience. He had little more to show for his time in the game on Sunday than 53 yards and an interception. But at 0-3, with what looks like a lost season ahead, I'm not currently starting any Bronco skill player unless I have to. They do have the Jets this week, so you know maybe you still run out Melvin Gordon or Noah Fant or Jerry Judy as they could be serviceable, but I am not very optimistic about the Broncos' offense right now. 
And last but not least, on Sunday night, the Packers at the Saints. Packers won this one 37 to 30. Alan Lazard came up big for the Packers on Sunday night, gaining 146 yards and a touchdown on six catches with two TDs and, well, with touchdowns actually in two of three weeks so far. And a matchup with the Falcons this week. Lazard is a high upside streaming option who is available in about half of leagues right now. That is if Devontae Adams misses again. And, and he's worth a shot, even if Adams plays in what I imagine will be a shootout with the Falcons. Tight end Robert Tonyan has started the past two weeks for the Packers, and he scored in both of them. He's a low-floor streaming option against Atlanta this week. And then on the other side of the ball, Emmanuel Sanders was the leading Saints receiver this week. Four receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. But Traquan Smith still received more targets. He had six of them. Michael Thomas has been eyeing a week four return, though, so this could be all for naught. Smith is worth holding on to just to see if he stays involved when Thomas returns. And that's it for the fantasy fallout going into week four of the NFL season. Hopefully you can use some of this information to your advantage. If not, I don't know how else to help you. Well, I guess I knew a few ways and they all exist at rosterwatch.com. So come there for it. If you like what you're hearing, if you like what you heard, leave us, leave us, leave us a comment. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our website, rosterwatch.com, where we have all the information you'll ever need to dominate in your fantasy football leagues. Until next time, this is the Trash Man. Be ready. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.